God is good. Somebody give God some praise up in here. Come on, balcony. Somebody give God some praise. See what he has done. How he advances the kingdom. Prayer by prayer, he advances the kingdom. I was reading something this morning in my, in my daily devotion, and it was Psalm 48, the Psalm of David, Psalm 48. Then Psalm 48 starts out, it says, great is the Lord, great is the Lord. One translation says, and greatly to be praised. Hang with me here, church. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. David goes on in this passage and he outlines something special. He has almost like a revelation in his heart and he says this. He says that my praise, my praise with a Z, should be consistent to my revelation of how great God is. So if I perceive him as an okay God, my praise will be okay. If I perceive him as a good God, my praise will be good. Come on, church. But if I see him as a great God, then my praise should be Somebody give him a shout in here. He is great and greatly to be praised. He's blessing you. He's ministering to your mind, to your heart right now. I feel God in this place. The Holy Spirit, from the second I walked in this morning, I said, Lord Jesus, something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. About three years ago, I connected with Pastor Stan. Tell you my story in a minute, but about three years ago, I, I reached out to Pastor Stan. I sent him an email. I said, hey, Pastor Stan, I've, I've heard your name over the past four months just nonstop. You don't know me from beans, but I'd like to get to know you. And he said, all right, let's do coffee or lunch or whatever. And we got together and we met face to face. And he said, hang on, are you from, are you, are you a northerner? I said, I said, yeah, why? He's like, man, I did, I, that changes everything. Like, I don't, you got to slow down. But he invited me back again. And this is what Hebrews 13, 7 says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to, to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I love Pastor Stan. Without Pastor Stan, I would not be standing up here. Your pastor is a kingdom champion who's committed to advancing the kingdom of heaven no matter what the cost. Let's give it up for Pastor Stan, amen? My pastor, your pastor. So, Father God, as I stand up here this morning, Lord God,
Help me to be mindful, Lord God, of the great responsibility of stewarding your gospel this morning. I speak to the hearts of everybody in this room, Lord God. Let there be focus, Lord God. Let there be an ear to hear what you have to say. Not just about a church that's planting in the city of Richmond, but about your desire for your sons and your daughters. Father God, I pray to the one that's hurting and downcast, Lord Jesus. Minister to their heart and to their mind right now. Father God, we lift up Pastor Stan, Lord Jesus. Give him strength. Give him a bullseye anointing to preach the gospel, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we love you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Trevor. Appreciate it. I asked Pastor Trevor to stay up the whole time. He's like, man, my back is going to be. My back's me. He's like, why do you want me to keep playing? I said, it's more Pentecostal that way. <laughs> so he, he, here's the thing. Um, we are planting a church. Clover Hill is uh, sending us out. So I'm like, man, I got to preach. I just got to preach some fire. So I'm, I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm, I'm doing everything that a minister should be doing. And yesterday morning, my wife and I, my wife's not here. She'll be at uh, Mosley and Clover Hill at 11. But I'm praying and fasting. I'm like, God, just give me a word. Just give me a great word. And we, we, go to, we make our Saturday morning Costco run. And we get, we get there a little bit early. So Costco's not open. So we go to Chick-fil-A. And uh, I, get, I get some chicken minis, pulling off the bread to be mindful of the carbs. And uh, I get my coffee, and my wife gets hers, and she sits down in front of me, and she has this smile on her face. And I said, I said, what? What? Like, what's up? And she said, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I said, what? She said, if the church was like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> this is what comes out of her mouth next. She said, this is what you need to preach on. I said, Chick-fil-A? She said, no. She said, Chick-fil-A is always consistent. They love Jesus, and everybody's welcome. I said, oh, my gosh. That'll preach right there all day long. How many people grateful for honey mustard up in this place? <laughs> Come on, somebody. That place is anointed. Honey mustard's good. Amen. So, I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm, look, I'm from New York City. Twelve years ago, we moved here, so I could, yeah, I could. <laughs> one person from New York City. I could. I'm going to say some things that might confuse you. I'm going to say things a little. I'm going to say forget about it in about three, three or four times. Just hang with me. But 12 years ago, God moved us here from New York City. How many people know that the majority of the time, God doesn't give us all the details? He sends you out, and he says it takes a little bit of faith. How many people know? How many people are with me here? All right, nobody in the balcony. Everybody, the, first, the anointing's on the first floor down at the ground level. Twelve years ago, God moved us here, and we had no clue why. We just felt in our heart something stirring to leave New York City. So we packed up our one child at the time, and we headed here to Richmond, Virginia. Twelve years later... It's finally clear. How many people, sometimes you don't see the thumbprint of God until you're looking through the rearview mirror, right? How cool is that? How he works. 
So February 12th, we're going to be launching United Church in the Forest Hill Corridor. And I think we got a map here that we could look at. Um, th so there it is. So, so Forest Hill Corridor is uh, south of the river in the city of Richmond. So from uh, Coordon Sims all the way to Huguenot, that stretch of Forest Hill. How many people ever drove down that? Drove down that? Everybody in this building. Everybody in this building. So we live there. We've lived there for the full 12 years that we've been in Richmond. Our middle schooler goes to school in that community. And we just feel in our heart like God has called us to love that community. If you're driving down the Forest Hill Corridor and the James River's on your right-hand side, the average median income is about $140,000. You cross the street, literally cross the street, and the income drops over $100,000. There's five city schools, five city schools along the corridor. By the city of Richmond standards, not very good schools. But how many people know that when God's in it, anything can happen? Anything can happen. Right now, today, some of you are going through a fight. If the Lord's in the fight, it's not over. Anything can happen. So why another church? I'm going to run through a couple of things real quick. Why another church? Because hell is real. That's why another church. And in accord with the way the kingdom is arranged, we, the local church, are charged with stewarding the transformational message of Jesus Christ. We're responsible for it. We are responsible for stewarding that message. It's like children being left on their own. And nobody's there to care for them. And they're, they're fighting and they're complaining. They're by themselves. But if somebody comes in, if a parent comes in and says, hey, hey, break it up. My six-year-old is a firecracker. I have three kids, 12, 8, and 6. And my six-year-old beats up the 8 and 12. I've never seen anything like it in my life. She was born and she knew kung fu from the womb. It's ridiculous. But unless a parent steps in to bring counsel, to bring order, this is what God has charged us with. In his order, the local church is somebody, the hope of the world. Somebody say amen. amen. There's broken people, broken communities, broken children. They need the power of the resurrected Savior to move in their lives. People are lost. People have been hurt by church. People have been hurt by people. People need to hear the true heart of God. I'm going to look at a passage real quick by an Old Testament prophet in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. A lot of us have heard this verse a billion, gazillion times. But I want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle. This is United Church's hearts for people. It says here, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. A hope and a future. 
God's purpose towards us is to give us a hope and a future. I, I, I enjoy doing some digging a little bit. So I started reading through things in, in different texts. And the word thoughts in the Hebrew means purpose. Literally means the word purpose. So I looked up the, the, the word purpose in the Hebrew, which actually translated means a plan, a design, or a will. God's plan is not passive. It doesn't say, for I know the plan I have for you. When it's translated, it says, for I know the purpose I have towards you. God's purpose is proactive. It's moving towards us. It's coming at us. The word towards in the Hebrew implies God's provincial care. God's providence, meaning he's taking care of us. So many times in church, I grew up in church, I was a PK. My dad was a, my dad was a preacher in New York City. And I've heard the gospel spoken so many times. Well, you know, th th stuff like that's going to happen. God's going God's to do things to get your attention. That's not true. That's not true. I want to talk to somebody in here. If you've been hurt by church... If you've been lied to, it's not true. God's will for your life is to give you the very best. I'm going to keep going. Thoughts of peace. The word peace means, get this, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. This is God's desire for your life. This is God's will for our life. This is the gospel that we need to hear. God says, I know the purpose. I'm thinking towards you. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every good thing. I'm not one of those prosperity guys, but this is the gospel. This is the word of God. His plan for our life is good. How many hurting people are out there that need to hear a transformational message like this? That God wants the best for your life. You've been deceived. Let me go on. This is, so I keep translating. It's like a sickness. It's like an illness. Once you start translating, you can't stop. You just keep, keep, keep going through everything. And this is what he says. And not of evil. The definition for evil is this. Get this. This is the, the, the literal, the Webster. This is not Hebrew nothing. Okay, literal translation for evil. Not of adversity, affliction, calamity, harm, hurt, misery, trouble, to punish, to vex. This one blew my mind. To make your life worse. God says, that's not my thought. My thoughts are not to make your life worse. It said, to break you in pieces. It's not God's heart. This is the last one that I read. To make you good for nothing. It's not God's heart. God says, my thoughts towards you are to give you an expected end in the King James Version or a hope in a future in the NIV. 
The word expected in the Hebrew is used to describe, the, 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 get this, get this. So the only other time the same word expected, when, when I translate it down, the only other place that I saw it come up, and, and, and this is a little bit of high church, so sorry if you don't understand, what, if, if you don't know about this, but we could give you some scripture and you can read it later. The, the word expected, the only other place it was found is when Rahab threw her, threw her scarlet rope down. How crazy is that? There was destruction on the other side of the wall, but she had a hope and a future. Today, somebody, God is calling you out. He's telling you, I have an expected end for you. My, what I'm expecting for your life is a hope and a future. My will for your life is good. I want to give you every good thing. But in order to get it, you need to receive it. In order to receive it, you need to be obedient to his call. You need to be obedient to his call. Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11 is God's heart for us. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I'm going to read that real quick. Jeremiah 29, 11 is God's heart for us. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 is God's promise to us. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Lord Jesus, that you would call us to be your church, your new church. Something new is going to happen. It says, forget the former things. Forget the past. Forget what you've been through. Don't build a shrine to the past and lay down in front of it. Today I'm doing something new. We want to be a church that helps people settle their pasts. That helps people settle their yesterdays. Because God's heart is to do something new. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You'll never reach destiny if you're hanging on to history. It says, do you not perceive it? Some of us can't perceive it because we don't believe it. We're still struggling with hurt and pain from past decisions. Well, I, I can't get, I can't, I have a hard time trusting churches. They're usually starting a new church. That's fine. I have a hard time trusting churches because my last church. I have a hard time with relationships. I can't, I can't move on. I can't, I can't because my last relationship. I don't want to try. I'm afraid to try anything new. Why, why should we do that? Because last time, God's saying, look, forget what happened before. Do you not perceive it? Now is the time for something new. There's 
there's a new blessing waiting for you. It's time to move on. Sunday after Sunday, some of us are coming to church, being consumers and never participators because we're afraid. Philippians 3.13 says, forget what lies behind. Strain towards what is ahead. Press on towards the goal which is in Christ Jesus. To strain or to press. These words signify perseverance. They signify fighting through something. Signify showing some faith. God wants to do a new thing. The political climate in this country is people freaking out. We need to stop talking about how great America used to be. God's doing a new thing. We need to stop complaining about people that hurt us. God's doing a new thing. We need to stop complaining about our last church situation. God's doing a new thing. We need to start rejoicing in the God of the now blessing. Hebrews 11, I, I used to read it all the time. You know, you flip, you flip a, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's not how that reads. Now faith. Now faith. Now faith. Not now faith is the substance. Now faith. God can deliver you from what you got going on in your life. He can open doors. He can make a way. He can build streams in the desert. You need to receive that now blessing. God's heart for us is Jeremiah 29, 11. A hope and a future. God's promise to us is Isaiah 43. It's the now blessing. And I'm going to close with this. God's gift to us. In Genesis 22 verse 6. I hope somebody's with me. I hope somebody's tracking with me. Genesis 22, 6 through 13. I'm going to read it. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire in the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, get this, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I'm going to pause right there. God's heart for us is a hope and a future. His promise to you is that now blessing. But here's the way to get it. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Obedience is the vehicle that drives faith. Let 
my knees were shaking. I'll never forget the night. I went outside to take the garbage out, and I felt like somebody just tossed a cold bucket of water on me, and I stopped. And I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord. I want you to build a house. And I was like, all right, cool. Powhatan, where are we going? I want you to build a house. If we stand united, if we stand together, revival can come. I can heal the land. I can set the captives free. It hasn't been easy. It's been scary. It's still scary. Somebody says February 12th and I I throw up a little in my mouth. But this is what he's saying. He's saying, will you take the steps that I ask you to take? No matter what the cost. Abraham, take your son. Take your son. He didn't say take your son two blocks over to Krispy Kreme and hang out. He said, take your son and climb up a mountain. Chop some wood. And put him on an altar and kill him and burn him. I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm a dad. Imagine what Abraham was thinking while he was swinging the axe. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. He's collecting wood to slay and burn his son. There's a cost. There's a cost. God wants to pour out his blessing. He wants to change your life. He wants to do something amazing in this city, in all of Richmond, but there's a cost. Went back there in verse 8, and Isaac said, Dad, we got the wood, but where's the sacrifice? See, Abraham knew something. Abraham knew that as long as he listened to the voice of the Lord, As long as he stepped out, God was going to make a way. He didn't see it. He didn't know where it was coming from. He just knew it in his heart. And he said, son, our God's going to provide. Our God's going to provide. Obedience creates an opportunity for God to work in any situation. I'm going to say it again. Obedience creates an opportunity for God to work in any situation. Are we hearing his voice? The first thing we see in scripture is God speaking. God clothes his thoughts with words. Genesis 1 verse 3, what does it say? God said. In the beginning was the word. He's speaking to us today. I've heard pastors speak this differently, but the Bible actually said that God's voice would walk with Adam in the cool of the evening. His voice. How many people know that anytime God speaks, it's cool? Come on. Are we hearing God's voice today? 
Matthew 4, verse 4 says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Are we listening for what God is saying right now? Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. This is awesome. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Some of us have been afraid to trust in God because we think that the cost is not as good as the outcome. And you're wrong. You're wrong. The supernatural happens when we let go of the natural. Are we listening for the now word? What's God saying to your heart right now? Because here's the thing. God spoke to Abraham and he obeyed and he went. But if Abraham didn't continue to hear the voice of the Lord, he was about to kill his future. Some of you are willing to kill your future rather than hear the voice of the Lord. If Abraham didn't listen to God's voice, he would have killed his seed. This is how good God is. This is how good God is. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And at that moment, at that moment, Abraham looked up and then there was a thicket he saw. There was a ram with its horns caught in a thicket. At the moment of obedience, God poured out provision. At the moment of obedience, God poured out provision. Somebody needs to hear that. At the moment of obedience, God poured out provision. Abraham listened, and God had provision locked up by its horns. The only thing the ram can resist you with is its horns, and God had it locked up by its horns. Resistance can't happen when you're in obedience to Christ. He's tying up anything that would resist. He's keeping it caught and he's keeping it stored up for you. That blessing that you've been praying for, if you'd only listen, he's already given it to you. It's already tied up. It's already waiting for you. That healing, if you'd only listen, it's tied up and it's waiting for you. That next paycheck, if you only listen, 
It's tied up and it's waiting for you. What's on the other side of your trial? What's waiting for you on the other side of your trial? God's already got it locked up. He already has provision. He already knows what he thinks for you. And that's to give you an expected end and a hope and a future and everything good. You've been praying for a breakthrough. You've been praying for a change. You've been praying for a healing. And God's saying, just listen to what I'm telling you. The blessing's here. The blessing's now. I got everything you need. I got everything you want. It's locked up and it's waiting for you. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I'm building my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. We've made a decision as a team to respond to what God wants. This goes beyond planting a church. Some of you need to respond to the Lord this morning. Some of you need to hear his voice. Why don't we all stand together? every eye closed and every head bowed. Let's be sensitive to what God's got going on. I want to challenge you because that's what I do. I like stick shaking salt on things. You've been doing stuff, but it hasn't been enough. God's been calling you to give more than you've been given your time, your energy, your heart, your mind. If you would just respond, he has that blessing tied up by its horns. If you would just respond, say, Lord, I've, I've been coming, I've been here, but I have believed the lie. I want a hope and a future. I want your expected end for my life. I want the blessing that you have for me right now. I, I thought, I thought, I thought what I got yesterday was all you had for me. Somebody's been feeding you a lie because he has a blessing for you this day. Yesterday's gone. Receive what he has for you today. Maybe some of you in here, don't, there's no relationship whatsoever. I'm here. I don't even know why I'm here. I, I walked in. I smelled coffee. Somebody, somebody was dressed like a gingerbread and snatched me by my collar. I don't even know. <laughs> there's no mistakes. Now is your time of blessing. Now is your time of blessing. God wants to do something in your life right now. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand. I'm not calling you out. I'm not asking you to move. If you're saying, 
God, I've been living in yesterday. You blessed me yesterday and I feel dry today. I need that now blessing. I, I, I don't even remember what it's like to sacrifice. God wants to do something new in your heart right now. Just slip up your hand. Let's pray together. Receive. God's building his church. God's doing something amazing in Clover Hill. God has the best for you. God has the best. And look, Clover Hill, United Church, you, the best is yet to come. He's not through with you. He's just starting. Today we're going to pray together. We're going to step out in the now thing, and we're going to walk out of here walking in God's provincial care, health, welfare, every good thing, hope. Father God, I pray for everybody in this room right now, Lord Jesus. Each person, Lord God, that put their hand up, Lord God, I speak to their heart right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, you see the need. You are the God of the now blessing. Pour it out in the name of Jesus. That trial is over in the name of Jesus. We're going to transition to your provision. Abraham said, I'm going to call this place Jehovah Jireh. Because God is faithful and he provides. He gives hope to the hopeless. For the God, pour out your spirit in your sons and daughters. Speak to their minds and their hearts. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done in this very moment. And we look to you, Lord God, as the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name.